The web's Michael Smith. It is episode 106 of the Canes cast. And you know what? What's that? It's time for the real thing. It is time for the real thing. It's finally October. Yes. I feel like we've been, I feel like September lasted a while. In some respects, in other respects, it if I feel like it was just here, I feel like we were just in Nashville for the prospect showcase, and now we're. Oh, you were. Yeah, that's. I true. was here. By the way, you were in Nashville for the preseason game. Yes, I was, and so were you. Yes, so we were there for that, but that wasn't that long ago. That was only like a last week. week. Yeah, but if you're listening to this today, let me say happy birthday to. Um. So happy birthday! Oh, happy birthday to. Um, but not it's mine. Not yours. It's happy birthday too. Um, correct. All right. And today being October 1st. Yes. September has ended. Green Day has been awoken. Yes. It was getting waking a, up Billy Joe Armstrong. It was like getting a workout right uh, now. today in the Canes locker room. Green Day forming a, I think is a two year partnership with NHL. A lot of people were, uh, not really happy about that, but uh, Green Day's great. Like yeah. what? What's not to like about that? I've, I've seen them live, and yes. they put on quite the show. Yeah, they're gonna be they're gonna headline All Star Entertainment this year, so it'll be great. People just like to complain. Yeah, I know. We found that out. You know what? You're not gonna complain about this edition of the Canes Cast. Why? Because John Forslund's gonna join us for just about forty minutes. Also, Michael Smith, what do you have for the fine listeners of this podcast? I'm holding in my hands two lower level tickets. To you turn them around. There you go. Turn around that way. There you go. So take a pic. Well, yeah. Don't yeah. get the barcodes in there. Oh, that's, oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> but two lower level tickets for opening night, which is Thursday, October third, as the Carolina Hurricanes host the Montreal Canadiens. They habitant du Montreal. They're already here, by the way. Well, some the Canadian media. Yes. Yeah, some. And when I Canadian say Canadian, media. I mean Canadian media, not Canadian media. So you'll find out uh, after we talk to Johnny how you can win this pair of opening night tickets if you don't already have uh, your tickets for opening night. Get on it quick because they are going fast. Uh, it's expected to be a sellout. But we have two right here for you, and you'll find out a little later just how you can win them. But first, we sat down for an extended conversation. Well, we were sitting. John Forslund was standing. Um, John Forslund, the TV, radio, the voice of the Carolina Hurricanes. Here he is. John Forslund, this is probably our favorite segment we get to do on the Canes cast as we bring in the TV play-by-play voice, radio play-by-play voice of your Carolina Hurricanes and the NHL on NBC Sports Network. And thank goodness preseason's over, John. Let's get to the real thing. Isn't that something? Like, um, yeah, it's tough on the guys. It's laborious for us. I think the fans get excited, especially the way they were Sunday here. But enough's enough. Let's get real. Let's see what happens. Was it a, a different preseason, though, this year for Rod Brindamore and the team as opposed to last year where he admitted it? You know, they had to get the culture of winning right away in the preseason. And this year, you could maybe go about it differently for the coaching staff and for some right. of the players who are here. Right. It's really difficult, number one, just from a mechanic standpoint, because the training camp used to be. 28 days now it's 21 so same situation last year but again you have players in the building for three hours you have them on the ice for an hour there's only so much you can do 
So you want to get to systems. You want to give a fair shake to young players who are trying to make the grade. How do you do all that? In your first year, it's pretty easy because you're the new general. So as the new general, you crack the whip, you make them skate, you lay the law down. You're this Rod Brindamore-like figure that is new to most of them as the head coach, right? New to everybody as the head coach. So that there was something new about it, and it showed. In every preseason game, they outskated their opponents. They played three organizations who had a different level, who wanted no part of playing that hard, and it was evident, right? They're five up and one down. So this year, it's completely different. You're dealing with a shorter season. You're dealing with guys that you owe something to as a coach. I mean, if you remember last year, guys, you know, one thing Roddy did after every game was thank his players. Yep. And you'd be hard-pressed to find it. coaches in sports in general that will do that. I'm sure some do, but a lot of guys don't. But, I mean, he, he is grateful for the work they put in. And so because of that, I think he gave them a pass a little bit because it's a, another rock-and-a-hard-place scenario. What do you do? Do you push? Do you give him a chance to rest a little bit? Do you look the other way if the effort is just kind of so-so? I think he did. That's not him. So that's not Rod's makeup to do that. So I think it bothered him. I think it agitated him at times during the training camp, and I think the way they played bothered him. But there's questions to be answered at certain positions. You had to get to those answers. Injuries crept into the mix for the first time. This was a relatively healthy team last year, not the case in preseason. So a lot of different factors. But being around him as long as we all have, I think you understand one thing. When he's agitated and a little antsy, that's a good thing. You know, that's kind of what you want to see. I think he's going to, again, lay the law down on Wednesday, get as much as he needs in place, and then I think when they kick off the season, he won't waste any time after Thursday if he doesn't like what he sees. The Hurricanes have a new leadership group in place, as we uh, heard on Sunday here at the Caniac Carnival. Uh, great job with, with Roddy and, and uh, Mazzotti, by the way. Um, what can you tell us about the leadership group, about what Stahl brings? Because I don't think a lot of people maybe see, you know, what exactly he does in the room for this team, just how he carries himself. What can he bring? And then what kind of compliments do Slavin and, and Martinook provide? Sure. So most of this uh, for me on, on Jordan is that you have to look to the expert in this category for the validation, that being Rod Brindamore, right? So there's nothing that any of us can look at and say, well, geez, there's your ideal captain because there are intrinsic things that he does for a team that only the coach knows about. And so if Rod says, okay, I've been there, and he was, the mo as I said, the most significant player I think we've ever had here, this is the, my guy. And he's always felt that way about his game, even when – you know, Jordan's kind of slogging through it and the fans might want more and they have over the years. Even in those dark years, Rod was always a proponent for this guy's complete game because he respected the heck out of it, right? So he gets that. As apparently, from what he told us Sunday, Williams had a lot to do with it. So Justin Williams was asked his opinion and there's more validation. And what I want to see happen here is I, I think – this resembles a little bit of what Rod was about when he became the captain. When Rod was a subordinate to Ron Francis, Rod was always in the shadow of Ron Francis. It was Ronnie's team. Ronnie set the rules as a captain should, you know, carried himself as he should, and then there was Rod over here, who was a really great player but wasn't the man. And when he finally got it after that canceled season and they made him the captain, there was this burgeoning of, of a personality that I never knew existed. And so the rest is history in terms of his captaincy. I see a similar thing happening 
thing with Jordan here. I think the same thing will happen with him. I think there's a lot more to his personality we don't really get to see. Some of us know about it, but I think um, the, the luncheon, uh, this guy stood up and took a bow and a curtsy and was having a ball with it. I mean, that's <laughs> that's like way out of character, And but that is his character. That's mm-hmm. what the real Jordan Stahl is. So I think he completes it. As far as the two sidekicks, um, Martinuk is a perfect choice. Yeah. Um, Slavin as an emerging elite guy. I'm taken back. I thought Ajo had a chance to be a captain. Mm-hmm. I, I really didn't. I thought maybe he should. And I still feel that way. That's my own opinion. But they're going to go this way. I thought they could alternate Slavin and Ajo and leave Martinuk alone. That was my guess going into training camp. But back to what you just said about Jordan emerging from a shadow. Mm-hmm. How much of it, if we look back on why we can think this would be a different captaincy, is Eric's not there. So there's not the shadow of his brother and taking over the captaincy immediately after that. We know the co-captain thing, which Mm -hmm. everybody said, you know, didn't work and wasn't the way to go. And the fact that Justin Williams did weigh in and say, this is the guy, he can be himself. There's not, nobody should go into this going, well, didn't they do this before with the co-captaincy? This is a, a clean slate. There are two things, Mike, that worry me. Number one, comparisons to Justin Williams. That's unfair to anybody. Mm Mm-hmm. Justin Williams' singular season captaincy was the best I've ever seen. And that was remarkable. That will never be duplicated. If Williams was back, it would be hard for him to do that again. He could be the same guy. But what he did in that one year, saying all the things that he did when they were stumbling around and then you know, kind of just leading the way and everything we know about, unbelievable. I hope that doesn't happen. I also hope the fans understand that the name is the same. The guy's different. Okay, if we're talking about it here, I hope they understand that Jordan Stahl is not Eric Stahl. And Eric Stahl and the fact that it is a stall, I think in this market, if things don't go well, could be tough on Jordan. Yeah. Because the fans will start with, well, it's a stall. And I'll tell you what, knowing the family, they're all different. Mark's got a different personality. Eric's got a different personality. Jared's different personality. They're completely different. This guy's the most reserved, but not. He's, he gives you that impression but he really isn't. So I think this is going to work out perfectly, and I think everything he's been through, personal adversity, family stuff, home run, and I just hope it works out great. It's, it, we're lucky to have this guy as the captain of the team. Is part of the different feeling this year in training camp not having Williams too? Is, is that a, an aspect to it, not having that uh, maybe senior voice in the room right from day one? Right, because, okay, the uh, – Besides being an example setter, which is the best trait for a captain, it's the conduit from the coach to the players. Mm -hmm. And so until the name is said and who he wants, he being Roddy, wants as the captain, you kind of go rudderless, and I don't think that's the way to go. Now, if I'm being honest, I think in the summer and I think leading into camp, and I've talked to a few people about it, you know, including Rod, you know, I felt that maybe for one year they could get away without one because of everything Williams did and because the comparisons would be too tough. But I think what Rod wanted to see was get through the camp and see what it was like. And I think there was enough uneasiness here that he needed to earmark a guy, so he did. Yeah, it makes sense, I think. Uh, what, uh, what excites you about this team heading in to this season? Because I think for the first time in many years, there, there are real expectations for the Hurricanes. What does that mean for this team, and how can they live up to those expectations? Well, that's a great question. I, I think I think what's different is nothing needs to be manufactured anymore. So they laid out an identity, and they became very relevant last season. 
the league understands and the fans outside of this market understand who last year's Carolina Hurricanes were. Mm -hmm. Every season is different, but at least you have something to point to. So the players understand, most importantly, how they're supposed to play under this coach. There's a team identity in terms of style of play. And I and it was really a slow process in training camp, which I think is a concern getting there, like relentless forechecking and you know all this buzzing around and this aggressive nature and the possession game. There was a lot of stops and starts for me in the preseason games. So maybe it's preseason, maybe it's not. We'll see. But I, but I really believe that they have something to point to. And a lot of teams that lose their way don't have identity. And so if you can identify what a Carolina Hurricane is type of player, and I think that's what they did with some of the guys they went out and picked up, you're on to something. And I think that's what it's all about. We don't have to do our jobs and try to figure out what it is. We know what it is. Just have to continue it. Well, John, we know comparisons are going to happen to last year's team. But if you take a look, this isn't last year's team. I right. mean, there are how many new faces? Six two, or seven. Right? Two-thirds of right. the leadership group are not in that room. You know, right. one has stepped aside and one is in St. Louis right now. So with the way this preseason went, what's your concern that they didn't get to the group maybe quick enough to find out where the personalities gelled? Where last year we kind of knew what the group was going to be. I think I think it's a, a work in progress, and I, and I think the California trip, albeit pretty quick, will be important. Mm -hmm. I think they need something like that. I think they're finally getting to it. I think there was a lot of stuff going on here with in, internal competition and guys going for, we're basically talking all camp about a number six defense slot and a support forward. And for me, those weren't the stories. For me, the story is the number two goalie because the number two goalie was so good last year or the 1A and 1B situation that emerged. That's got to be looked at long and hard. And who plays with who in terms of the high-end guys? Yeah. And I don't know if the team's there yet. So I'm a little bit worried about that. So I think the chemistry angle will get there because last year's team was about chemistry and goaltending. And those two things were able to put them where they needed to be. Uh, you, you just brought up two things I really want to get into and attack. But something else about maybe this preseason was the Justin Falk trade to Anaheim uh -huh. that hovered over the beginning of camp. Maybe a reason why there was a different feel here. And then the same time, the Justin Williams not being in the locker room. Like, we keep talking about the, the differences. Could that have something to do with that? A guy who is waiting to be traded or you think going to be traded, that's going to set in, especially if he's a popular guy. And we're talking about two big personalities. There's always a malaise over teams when uh, key players, uh, integral parts of teams, part of a leadership group, two-thirds of a leadership group is gone. There's always a malaise until it's real with the guys that remain about what's happening. Or if the guy is sitting in the room, which Justin Falk was for a yeah. long period of time, long in terms of camp, you know, here's a guy who was on his way to Anaheim, supposedly still sitting there. Yep. Then they're waiting for the deal to happen. When's the shoe going to fall and all this stuff. And that's a big time player for this team. Yep. So what I'm saying is I think the players kind of get tasered by it. They don't know how to react to it. It's unusual. It's unnatural. And now they finally have the group. Well, the final exam is Thursday. I think it's going to be a work in progress as you move along. I don't think chemistry is automatic this yeah. year. Joel Edmondson uh, played two preseason games for the Hurricanes. What does he bring to this roster that maybe wasn't quite there, either at really any position, forward or defense? Well, he brings bite, and I think it, it, 
he's going to stand out like a sore thumb because, again, for me, it's a light team. It's a team that doesn't have a lot of that. It's a team that needs it. I don't think they replenished the good part of Michael Furland. That was quite evident. And so I still think if they want to make a deal moving forward, they might want to look at something like that. There are guys in the league who can bring some of that to the table. Um, Washington certainly has it. All right, They were lucky enough to draft a guy who can play the game really well as a first-rounder and have that, whether people have their opinions of Tom Wilson or not, that's <laughs> fine. Um, and then you have Garnet Hathaway, who was a really good signing. Mm-hmm. I, and I've told people this, so I can say it here. I, I went on shows during the summer. I thought Garnet Hathaway was a Great guy for this team. Uh, Relatively cheap, 27 years old, gets around, hits, kills penalties, and can give your your guys insulation. So I think Edmondson will deliver that. He'll be able to kill penalties. So penalty minutes lost with Falk, there. Bad return or a, a light return for Falk just to get rid of him because of the salary cap would have put this team in a bad spot because you wouldn't have replenished yep. penalty killing minutes. Um, doesn't have a lot of high-end skill, doesn't have to, but I think he knows how to get his shot through. And sometimes that's even better than these fancy Dan guys with great feet that walk the line and look for space and all of that. Sometimes just a guy like Slavin, but not as great as Jacob, obviously, but he knows how to get the puck to the net. You watch, that, that'll be a good thing. He's a great guy. I know that. Yeah. And I know that he comes from an unbelievable family. I had him, uh, his first ever playoff series a few years ago against Minnesota, and his mom and dad drove from Brandon, Manitoba, everywhere during the Stanley Cup playoffs. They would not get in an airplane, so they were driving to Minnesota, down to St. Louis, you know, in the playoff series, you know, back and forth. And uh, I know he comes from great people. He's a good guy. Yeah, and that's still part of the game, though, right, John? You know, as much as the league has tried to legislate fighting out of it, and I think we've talked about it enough, the fight for the sake of a fight, we don't need that anymore. But how important is it, and where else does it come from, then, if you're the Canes, that jam where we're not going to be pushed around the ice? Well, it's a it's a game that's played that way. There's no place to hide. Uh, you get on the ice, 285. Those board. There's no place to go when you're out there unless you shrivel up and you don't want to get involved. And you can play the game and look pretty good to to a, a, a general fan because and even ourselves, you're not paying attention enough. But they can go through the motions yep. and not get involved physically and look okay. But the other bench knows. And the other bench will earmark it. The other bench, especially in a playoff series, as soon as they sense any trepidation from anybody, the lesser players in that regard, the Ajos, the Terravines, those guys who you rely on to score, can't do their game a little bit because of the fear factor. It's it's real. Yep. And I think they, they should look at that. All right, let's go back to the goaltending for a second. Last year, 1A, 1B, however you want to look at it, it was magic for this team. In your mind, what's the ideal setup this year for the Canes with the goaltending in the, the current situation. Let's just go with it's Morazic and Reimer. What's the, for you, the sweet spot for both of these goalies? Well, it starts with Peter, who played 40 games and was sensational down the stretch, like better than anybody yep. down the stretch. But if you look at the rest of the season, it was good. Then it got hot, which has been his career. Yep. So now you still have Peter Morazic. It's funny, he took the one-year deal to prove himself. It's kind of like he still has to prove himself now as a starter. The how do you jump him from 40 to 55 games, 50 games? Yeah. 10 more games is significant. And if you do, what level of consistency will he have? So that's the first question. And then who plays the rest? Yep. And I'll tell you what, I watched them all back as the best I could in the summer. And Curtis McElhaney was Unbelievable, as you guys know. Yep. Just unbelievable, and including that game against Montreal, which I don't think they make the playoffs without that win. 
Svetch's goal in overtime and mano a mano with Carey Price. The first two minutes of that game were unbelievable. Save for save, back and forth. So, and I think he helped Peter. Yeah. So now it's different. So now it's James Reimer. And I'll say for now, because I think they have depth, and I think that might change as the year goes along. Yeah. Uh, six games in the preseason. Too many or too few? Or just right? Well, I think it's right. I just think it's how you do it. And I, and I think they need – I think they're looking at a way to change it, mm-hmm. and I think they're going to front load in the future, the front load the, the, the first few games and get more towards the group quicker and then have less more time, less games. Right and having this like a weekend with a Friday Sunday at the end. Yeah. That's a tough one. Like let's go a week with a game and a week with another game and then you're then you can do a trip with most of your guys, even guys who get cup of do a go away and bond, then you know use one afternoon to play paintball. Uh, I, I wanted to bring this up cuz I think I brought it up to you last week Michael. Uh, John Forslund joining us here on the Canes cast. The first 3 preseason games, you shouldn't have to play 8 veteran forwards no. you can play the kids who you want to get a look right. at you can you can give a, a young goalie a full game you can give somebody who you want to see in extended minutes it, instead of trying to shoehorn veterans who really don't want to be on the ice in those games anyway you use maybe the first three games of the preseason to evaluate the young guys and see if they make the cut to push the group that we yeah. have for the next three. Yeah, and I know the owners have been reluctant because of ticket prices, yeah. and they want to charge season ticket holders their prices for preseason games. They want to charge just in case someone does come over the counter and buy one. I don't know who does, <laughs> but but maybe maybe they do. Here was my idea many years ago, that the first two or three games, maybe the first two games are nothing but prospects. Yep. I think back in the day when you and I did the aftermaths, we were talking about this, we were. and I would make those games free. Yes. Those games would be free. The, nice to have an NHL game free on the day of the Caniac Carnival, but I would call them prospect games, advertise it as such, and your first-rounders have to play in those games too, and maybe there's a lure of coming to see that, and you, and you don't charge. And then as you move along, if it's a hybrid game where it's NHL, AHL, it's another price. And then when you get down to the last two, this is an NHL preseason game with an NHL lineup. You're going to see the lineups with not the same intensity, but they're going to go through their reps that they need to to be ready for the season. It's full price. So I think right now they want to have it all across the board yeah. and do what they do in this eight. You know, getting to the number eight with veterans is is a stretch. Yeah. It just doesn't work for me. Former Hurricanes head coach and current Winnipeg Jets head coach Paul Maurice I wanted to get your opinion on something he brought up this preseason about um, – the way you you analyze players in preseason, and he said the real challenge is for the guys uh, who are real cerebral cerebral players. Uh, nothing looks like it's going to look like in two weeks, and he thinks it's far harder for defensemen to play in these games, especially guys that are thinkers, because there's so much less to read. Uh, there's no road signs about what's going to happen next. What are your thoughts on that, and 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 how much do you take away from preseason games, especially the ones like that where there is so much chaos? Right, and I think it's 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 like what they always say that the American League is harder to play at times than the National Hockey League, mm-hmm. and that players will come up and find it easier at this level because of the positional play and how smart the players are, and everybody's in the right place at the right time. So I think he's bang on with that, and I think it's awfully hard to get a real good read. I think what you want to look at, though, is players should stand out mm-hmm. under those circumstances. Play, you look at Julian Gauthier, who had a remarkable training camp, put himself back on the map, because if we're fair, I'm not sure he was, 
coming into it, yeah. right? But he did because he had three great weeks of practice. But did he score? And he probably deserves a chance to be here, but they can't for a lot variety of different reasons. That's unfortunate. Yep. But you still have to you still have to stand out in those circumstances if you're going to try and play in the National Hockey League. I'm worried about Marty Natchez. I I don't know that you know he he did enough to really put himself out there. I think his first training camp he put himself out there more than he did in this one. So time will tell when the bell rings if it's all going to be real for him or not. But I think that's what you look at. You look how do you differentiate yourself from that, from a guy going through the motions, from an NHL or, you know, what's that situation look like? And when you have those positions that are up for grabs and maybe a guy thinks he was there, how important is the message to a player like Julian Goche who's going back to Charlotte right now to be like, hey, stay up because you might be back here in a week or you might be back here in a day. Yeah, just tomorrow stay, yeah, just Yeah, just stay positive. I think that's... Easy to say, hard to do. Certainly the kid's yeah. shattered. He's got to be really, really upset about this. He has a right to be. But if he's honest with himself, which is the hardest thing for these young players to get to, especially when they're minor league level, are you honest with yourself? His first pro season was not a good one. He had a hard time staying in Volucci's lineup. His second one was a little bit better. He worked at becoming more of a total player, which you need to be. 27 goals, I think 14 assists, right? So the differential there is just okay. Yeah. 27 goals in the American Hockey League sounds good. It's not necessarily great. I mean, you score 40 to 50 in the American League, you're really going. Yeah. Or if you have 80 points or something like that, then you can get looked at, you know, in terms of that. His playoff was good, but he wasn't alone. Morgan Geeky had a great American yeah. League season last year, right? So if you're going to go player for player, I think if you ask Mike Vellucci, he'd tell you Morgan Geeky as a center was a more important player for the checkers last year than Gauthier was. But then Gauthier comes in, the nature of the lineup, the injury factor, and the fact that he's big and burly and goes to the net, right? Stands out. Yeah. Noticeable. But did he score? Did, did, does it translate? He buries a couple of those chances. I bet you the decision would have been a lot harder because on a couple of those breakaway power moves – You'd say team made. Yeah. Doesn't go in. That's how that's how hard it is to play in the yeah. National Hockey League. It's unbelievable. So my point is if he goes back with the right frame of mind, I think there's a pout factor yeah. that's human nature, but you gotta get over that and press on. And if he does, maybe he becomes a full timer at the National League level because he's he's an excellent player. All right, another young guy, but we know he's gonna be here. Andre Svechnikov. He he started to figure a lot of it out. How important is the start of this year for Andre Svechnikov? It's really important because he's a different player, or he's looked at as a different player. He's looked at as a top-six player now. Okay, 20 goals, all at even strength, and a third-line role basically the entire season. Coach not happy with his defensive game. Coach trying to coach him through all those penalties, which he had a propensity to take during yeah. the preseason. That wasn't good to see. The difference for Andre now is you're, on, you're going to be playing with great players, but you're also going to be seeing great defensemen. So what does this mean? Does he get frustrated if he doesn't score? Does he continue to take penalties? I would just guard everyone that he's still young and let, let it go. Let it go. Don't expect. I think he could score 30 goals. I, I do. Yeah. I do, and I think he'll be in all the positions to do so. But I hope he understands he can't come off what they were attempting to teach him last year and expect to do it. If he thinks he's going to get fancy and press to score, He's going to have a sophomore slump. But if he doesn't, if he does all the right things physically 
and create space. If he's playing with Ajo, create space for the dancers, as we like to say, then he's probably going to be able to do it. All right, Sebastian Ajo. We know how the story went this summer. He signs an offer sheet to, for all intents and purposes, not have to go back and forth and negotiate. Where's he at for the season, or do you think that's a factor for anything, or he's just ready to play because his mentality is about playing? You're right. He's always ready to play. He's as professional as you're going to find, as intelligent as you're going to find, and as great a person, I think, as you're going to find. But I think he's sensitive, too. And I think this will, unfortunately, or maybe it's fortunate, the Canadians come in first. So he's going to have to deal with all this right away. This is sensory overload. For, for him, I think, because I just think he's, he, he never wants to be looked at as that villain, you know, type, and he shouldn't be, but I don't know what the narrative is going to be coming out of Montreal. It's going to be interesting for him to handle all of this. We kind of know. Yeah. Most of it's in French. <laughs> exactly. So, but with these phones now, you can translate everything. So it used to be better when you just used it to line the basket at home, but this is, this is, uh, you know, I didn't even say fish, um, but you know, you, you, I think it will bother him a little bit. And I worry that he, too, will press. And I worry about external expectations and where they're at. Because I guarantee you that management, when you sign a contract like that, they're not going to be happy unless it's, you know, you're leading the league in scoring and you're knocking on the door of a Stanley Cup. I mean, that's kind of the pressure you put yourself under under those circumstances. All right. Game number two is against the Caps, John. Yes, sir. Looks like a little bit of rivalry is starting to bubble up between these two teams, which only playoff hockey brings out. Uh, but I, I need to ask you, story time with John. We've gotten Here, him. Here's what we've, I do we, before we, we, you go to story right. time. Here's what I do. I, I get to, there's a WWE thing Friday night with The Rock. Yeah. I'd sign him to a PTO for Saturday <laughs> oh, night, bring him to Washington. Absolutely. Yeah. If we smell great what, theater. If yeah. we right? smell what Forslund's cooking. Right. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. we do. So I'm, I am totally on board with that because for those of you who were not in, te- in attendance on Sunday at the Kaniac Carnival game, it got a little animated, yeah. a little chippy. A little, little yeah. old, little old, old time hockey yeah. between the coaches and players and words and you know guys banging on the glass back and forth to each other. So here it is, story time with John Forslund. You have to. We got the great mascot story last year of you knocking out whatever the UP figure was up in French Canada. Do you have a great story of you're calling a game or whatever? The coaches or the benches, something yeah. just it, it goes in and. It was two teams who hated each other. We knew something was going to happen, and away we go. Well, there was a brawl in 1987, and you can you can get to YouTube and see this. It's before I hit puberty, so I don't even sound like myself. <laughs> but it was the Fredericton Express, who are the farm team for the Quebec Nordiques, and the Springfield Indians, farm team of the New York Islanders, and it started with a coach brawl. And it's the two benches. And in this game were Todd McClellan, coach of the L.A. Kings, Bruce Boudreaux, coach of the Minnesota Wilds, uh, Wild, Claude Julian, coach of the Montreal Canadiens, Mark Crawford was in the game, and it started between two guys, Ron LaPointe, who's passed away, the coach of Fredericton, and Gord Lane, longtime Islander tough guy, coach of Springfield. They started jawing, and, it, and the benches were side by each, and there was a big alleyway and they got in the alleyway and started the brawl with the two coaches and anyway both benches started off ice with the brawl and it went onto the ice and everybody was fighting it has the greatest goalie fight i've ever seen all due respect to the fighting scorpion jason mazzotti <laughs> but it was a guy named um marty wakeland 
for the Springfield team, and Ron Tugnut was the goalie for Fredericton, one of the best goalie fights you ever see. There were six or seven, ten, pier six, whatever you want to call them, brawls going on at once. It, there was a tough guy named Jacques Mayotte who had his head severed open, went to the room, came, came back with a rag around his head to get back into the, the game against either Mick Fakota or Dale Henry. These are the tough guys that were in this game. Um, and he looked, I called him the spirit of 76. That's what he looked like when he came back onto the ice. This thing went on for 20 minutes, all out brawling and words. And we had a stick boy who never missed a meal. And he was a big kid. His name was Carl Palmer. We called him the fridge. And he got wedged between the two benches, like at the scorer's table. And the PA guy and the clock operator were just standing there the whole time. They were between the two benches. And the visuals of this, Carl's just getting sandwiched there, and his body is getting contorted in all these different ways. And um, there were a lot of NHL players in that. And funny story, three or four years ago, San Jose was in a rut, playing horribly. And Todd McClellan went into the locker room and had them fire up instead of video the footage of this <laughs> fight. He told me he did this and broke the room up just before they went out to play in an NHL game and, and said how many coaches were involved in this game. Unbelievable. That's one for the ages. Uh, but, I mean, I, uh, we're not, by the way, we're not promoting violence here. But yes, I we just, are. All right. <laughs> not but, really. No, but no. I, I love it. I love it. It's yeah. the character of the game. There's, there's, well, there's nothing wrong with, I think, that – it can be healthy, unhealthy, however you want to right. call it. But I love it when we don't like you, you don't like us. We're going to let you know about it. What it gets to is a brotherhood and a bond that every team needs. And I think early in this season, especially in Washington Saturday night, yeah. there's going to be some scores settled. Mm -hmm. Okay, And I think Warren Fogle is going to be on the map here. And something's going to happen. And so because of what happened last year, right or wrong with T.J. Oshie, yep. that's still sour for Washington. And so something will happen early yep. in the game. And I don't think... It's a bad thing. I uh, think that could be getting to the chemistry. That could be something to help this team get their early season chemistry. And there's also another event that happened in that postseason with Andrei Svechnikov and Alex Ovechkin. And, and, yeah. Not that I think we're going to see right. round two of that, but right. there is a lot of that carryover. And I just think it's it's good. It's it's just it's what we all grew up with. It's what you well, you want to. It adds a different kind of of spice to a to a game that. People understand what it's about. People know what it's about. And when you can add that in there, I just think it's it brings a new level to it. And I I'm not saying well, we need it everywhere, but right. when you get it, it's when you get it and it's genuine. Right. They, it it makes everything just a little bit better to get to. They've cleaned up the moronic stuff. Yes. They've cleaned up a lot of the things that I think have held the game back marketing wise over the years or popularity wise. Some people poo pooed the game for years because of the yep. slap shot, uh slap shot stereotypes. So Anyway, that stuff's long gone, but I, no one sits down when this stuff happens, so nope. unless I'm wrong, they're not all going to the restroom at the same time. Nope. They, they kind of enjoy it. Yeah, right. I enjoy it. And you do, Doc. I do. I, I know. know. He does. Even it's going to get spicy on Saturday. I'm it I'm here for it. And you like spicy. I do like I spicy. Uh, Metro Division. Maybe not Spicer. No. He's a horrible dancer. No, yeah. You see, they, yeah, they're I, terrible I dancing with the stars. Anyway, I, go I leave that for you. Yeah, I might do it someday. You should. Me and Tom yeah. Bergeron. You'd, yeah. be, <laughs> you'd be outstanding. Yeah. <laughs> Think you got better moves than Tom Bergeron? I uh, I don't. No. I only have one move, and uh, weddings, and that's about it. But mm. uh, all right, who do we walk down the aisle as the Metro Division leaders right now? If 
all things oh, being equal, God. we get ready to start. Because there were so many changes yeah. this year. If, if I if I yeah. were to run down this, let me know if this is a fair or unfair assessment. Columbus is the one team we look at with all that they lost. You have yeah. to think they take a step back. Yeah. Even with a great coach, and yeah. he'll get them, they might play yeah. harder hockey, but a yeah. step back there. Jersey on paper has gotten better, adding Jack Hughes, adding P.K. Subban. Yeah. The Rangers have gotten a yeah. little bit better from where they were, and can yeah. Henrik Lundqvist turn back the clock? Yeah. Uh, what does Philadelphia finally have yeah. a goalie? Like, yeah, a, I, I mean, know. questions that are there. Can the Islanders repeat what they did last year? Is Pittsburgh, is the clock finally striking midnight for those right. guys? I mean, right. these are all the – and for the Caps, right. do they have one more run in them, or are they in that Pittsburgh boat, and where are the Canes? So that's why. Yeah, so it's wide there open. are. I only, I, it is, and I don't think anyone can predict it. I don't think anybody yep. can predict, especially in the Metropolitan Division. So for me, there are three – I go reverse. There are three teams, I think, with absolutely zero chance. I would say Los Angeles, um, Ottawa – and Detroit. I would say those three teams, I don't expect anything to happen, but who knows, maybe. All right. Then you have elite. Okay. If you go to the top now to get to the middle, I would consider Tampa Bay elite. I don't consider anyone, maybe Washington, but I'm not sure in the Metro lock elite. I think there's a handful of elite teams in the central. I think they'll knock themselves around a lot. And then I think Vegas is elite, okay? So, and I think Vegas will be heard from. But I think Dallas has got as much going for it as Vegas does because Dallas has the goaltending. Fleury's outstanding, but Dallas has two. And Bishop had a career year last year. He's elite. The coach is excellent. I like kind of – and I'm interested to see what the Dallas Stars will do. Over here in the East, I'll tell you what, it's pretty much a scramble. And so what I think for – our favorite team, carry yourself as a playoff team. If you've earned that right, finally, if you end the season as a playoff team, I expect them to be a playoff team. And I expect that they have as many holes and as many strengths as everybody else in the division. But I agree with you. I think there are teams that you could say bullet down, but then you could also make an argument that Evgeny Malkin's in the best shape he's yeah. ever been in, and those two kids can carry them to where they need to go again. And John Tortorella can have a better yep. group to work with because last year he had team distraction. He wasn't on board with a, I hate to say it, but a couple of guys who weren't going to speak the language he's speaking in his room, kind of not wanting to be there. And they're two prominent players. Can he rally them? Of course he can yeah. because he's the best when it's us against them. So don't be surprised if Columbus plays harder and are right in the mix. And those other teams have made improvements. So have the Hurricanes. Yeah. So I say, handle yourself as a playoff team. Expect it. If you're saying the right things last year, they should expect to be winners again. So I have them making the playoffs, and I think that's the only thing you can hope for, as history has shown. But I would think it's going to be hard for five in the Metro. Yeah, I think there has to be a fourth team from the Atlantic. Yeah, Make Expect it. to win. Win the day. Yeah. Want to know. But realistically expect it, right? Because exactly. you have a resume finally. Yeah. And you, you have talk- a coach that knows how to do it. Right. And when you talk about the Atlantic, if you have Ottawa and Detroit in there, that's got to be free lunch for Montreal or – Correct. I, I don't know about Buffalo that's yet either. I really points, don't, but, right? But right. one of those teams is certainly going to – if they can get, what would that be, 16 points. Right. Or, you know, somewhere between 12 and 16 points off of those two teams in the Atlantic, that's now – where. I can't tell you you're going to get six, you know, eight points off of a team right. in the Metro this year. And with all of that, there's 31 teams, and 
We're basically, if you agree with me, counting out three. Yeah. I really believe, sure, there's front runners, but I believe it's conceivable yep. that anybody else can win the Stanley Cup. What other league can say that none. when you start the season? No, seriously, none. there's none. 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 And Not it's legitimate. And you just have to get in to make it happen. But right. I think if, you, if you're if you fair, your playoff team, I, I consider the Canes one of the three playoff teams. If anything, the, the other leagues are, it's, these are the three teams that are going to win the title, mm-hmm. and then it's we can cross right. off everybody else. The league's done a great job. They wanted parity. They've they done have a great it. job at creating parity yeah. in this league. Yeah, because even Calgary, look at what they did last year, right? Well, think about that Calgary right. and Tampa, right. two teams we thought might have been on a right. collision course. They're in exactly. the first round. So, I mean, you have to earmark favorites because that's what everybody likes to do with predictions, but... I honestly believe that it's it's that difficult. As cliche it is to say, I think it's really hard to uh, make a prediction. Still fun for you every year. Every to go year is this. great. Yeah. yeah, and it's finally October. Yeah, we yeah, can I finally get to the stuff that matters. Right, because the stuff after the game matters. Finally, mm-hmm. you know, it's too easy in preseason to say, "Oh well, it's preseason," right? Yep. And you're more about the competition and the coaches can they can answer a question any way you want to. Sure. Oh, for a preseason game, we looked really well. For a preseason game, we didn't look like we didn't look good at all. Yeah. But it doesn't really matter. I'm not looking for that. And, and when it's real, there's 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 things you can take away from every game that actually mean something. I'm looking forward to that and and getting on with it here. All right, I, I want to kind of bring it full circle. You said that he is the most significant hurricane yes. in the history of the team, Rod Brindamore. Is he still the most important person to how this team is going to perform this year, or is it somebody else for the hurricane season? No, I think it's him. I absolutely do, because I I believe that, you know, he's the one that's going to get to the bottom of a lot of things. I hope the team doesn't get to that point where he has to find another dimension as a coach, because even when they were scuffling around last year in December, he was still pretty sure and convicted about how they were playing. Um, But if this team has any type of issues where it's not, clicking the way he wants to see it, he's going to have to show another side of Rod Brindamore. So there's going to be that side of being a coach at this level that's going to be interesting to see because I don't think it presented itself last year. It didn't have to. And even if he was feeling that way, Williams was the one to carry it out. So now we're going to watch Jordan do that. John Forslund, TV voice and radio voice of your Carolina Hurricanes. Just some kind of voice, I hope. He's the the voice. It's It's not Blake Shelton. It's not Usher. He has known a few uh, singers, as we found out. Our good friend Shania Twain before she oh, was Shania was, Twain. Uh, yeah, so he's a good judge of yeah. vocal talents, but yeah. he's just the voice of the Carolina Hurricanes. You can hear him, Trip Tracy and Mike Maniscalco, on the broadcast on Thursday, Fox Wait, Sports Carolinas. I have to interrupt. So Statler and Waldorf is now a thing, yeah. as you've <laughs> called it, GIF, JIF, whatever yeah. it is, because I'm with you, because I call it one and somebody calls it, it something is. else. Yeah. Um, I hesitate in doing this because I am opening up a door that I shouldn't. So if you guys are the two curmudgeon old men, what the hell Muppet does that make me? Well, you're going you're gonna to work in progress. There's just a lot of ways we can go with this. Oh, yeah, I, I know. I'm aware. You're, you're a multifaceted personality. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm frightened about yeah. this. No, because... but I think, I think we can go there, and, and, and it, will, it will need more description, I think, than ours. Ours is pretty much, you know, two old guys who sit up there and give opinions and have been around a long time. <laughs> you, the visual might not do it all. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, because these characters have tremendous yeah, I mean, I have, introspective I do, I do have the large beak, so we could go Gonzo, yeah, but, well, but he's slight. Correct. So, Correct. I mean, 
We're going to, there's some, some right. work in progress. I like that, work right. in progress. And I think we can come up with, by Christmas, I think we'll have it. <laughs> there we go. Wow, what a, what a present <laughs> I'm looking by Christmas. forward to. By Christmas. We'll have you back on around Christmas and we'll, <laughs> yeah. we'll announce we'll do the it character. Some... I don't regret asking this question, but hopefully we all forget this question was asked by Christmas. No, we will have it done by Christmas oh, and yeah. we'll go back and analyze why and tell the fans why we did it. Yes. And we'll do it on the air and then it will be on the road somewhere. Mm-hmm. And we'll get to a place in a building where no one can see us and do one of these sterling editions yeah. of the Canes cast. Well, this was, for two whole days, the number one hockey podcast in Finland. Yep. It two was. days. Two days. The analytics for the name, just very close. The other in Finland is uh, reruns of How I Met Your Mother. That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> a fine show. Yeah. Had a good following. Yeah. yeah. But for two days. John Forslund, thanks for joining the Thank you, boys. number one podcast in Finland. My pleasure. Always excellent to chat. With Johnny, especially now with training camp wrapped up, yes. to to really just put this season on a tee, I think it was uh, excellent to catch up with Johnny. Hopefully you guys Always. enjoyed that. Yeah, and we hope you do too. And again, thank you. no regrets about asking what Muppet, but now I'm regretting that we'll have some oh, kind yeah. of conclusion yeah, to this around Christmas. Yeah, you're screwed. Yeah, <laughs> there's no doubt because there's many ways you could roll with this. In fact... When it comes to giving away the tickets, one of the things that I was kind of trying to sell us on, and it was really more finding out where the people would go with this, is if you and I were Muppets, who would we be? And you quickly nixed that idea yeah, we're to gonna, give away the Cane stands yeah. that way. So here's how you're going to win this pair of tickets uh, to opening night. So we're going to, uh, this podcast will hit uh, subscription sh- services on Tuesday evening, Tuesday afternoon ish. So you'll have a day and some change, and we'll pick a winner on Thursday, the day of opening night. Here's how you can win. Hashtag Canescast on Twitter, and let us know your favorite part of the podcast. Not specifically this podcast episode in general, but just the podcast as a whole. Yes. What do you most enjoy about Canescast? Hashtag Canescast. What do you most enjoy about this podcast? Let us know. We'll randomly pick a winner. Uh, we'll read it out next week just to prove that we actually picked a winner, but yes. we'll get in contact with you. Uh, Why would you not trust us at this point in time? Well, you never know. We want to be transparent. We'll even text. Michael and I will text out or tweet out uh, who the winners were to. Yeah, Pictures and, taken. And we'll get in contact with you uh, to make sure that you can get in the building uh, for opening night as the Hurricanes host the Canadians. A lot of hype leading up to opening night here in Raleigh for the Hurricanes. Some big expectations this year coming off a trip to the Eastern Conference Final. A roster that is now down to 20 players with news of uh, today's moves. Now, hesitate to say that will be the roster on opening night because I think there still are some questions to be answered tomorrow in regards to injury. A guy like Ryan Dezingle, Dezingle, Martin Natchez, Jake Gardner, all three injured for the last week or so of preseason, all three practice today. Are they ready in time for Thursday's game? I think that'll be answered tomorrow. And if not, you might see some guys who are sent down today back in Raleigh in time for Thursday. So a little bit of a fluid situation just because of injuries to the big club right now. But the Hurricanes roster now standing at 20 players down below that 23 max limit here before the 5 p.m. deadline. And it's almost time to drop the puck. I can't wait. Yeah. I really can't. You know what else it's time for? The Marty Minute. This is Jordan Martinuk with the Marty Minute. Uh, I just want to thank, 
guess the organization for uh, giving me the opportunity to be assistant captain of the Hurricanes. Huge honor. Um, something I, I guess, dreamt about as a kid, but uh, something that you don't think is going to happen. So I'm very excited. Uh, Jordo's going to be an amazing captain, and I'm just happy to help him along the way. Uh, boys are uh, really, really gelling before the season gets going. We had a little get-together uh, Sunday night, and then we're doing some paintballing today and uh, just trying to get uh, get this team together before the start of the season. And uh, just with training camp coming to an end, first kind of official practice of uh, the year, we're getting a lot of energy out there. Guys are really excited, and uh, we can't, can't wait to get going on Thursday. So stay tuned. Uh, Mike and uh, Mike and Mike having a, having a great podcast for you and we'll see you next week. Jordan Martinook just nailing the Marty minute week after week. He's going to be, I mean, he's, he, he was an excellent choice to wear an A and he's going to be an excellent alternate captain for the Carolina Hurricanes. I, when you look at the group that Rod Brindamore chose, it was three players who, who made a lot of sense. And Jordan Martinook, I think, when you look at what he did last season as a leader on and off the ice for this team, I think it meant a lot uh, to, to what the Hurricanes were able to do. Um, so always appreciate Marty jumping on for the, the uh, Marty Minute here on Kane's Cast. Perfect choice for an alternate captain. Yep. Perfect. There's, there's no flaw that I can see as to why would you name Martinook an alternate captain. He is a character guy on the ice. He is a character guy off of the ice, and he is a character. Yeah, period. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to go with that. But what people don't don't get, because he likes to have fun, and I think that he enjoys his, his life and what he is doing, but he is a guy who deeply cares about his teammates and others around him. And I can just put this out there. I know there were questions about the Canes leadership and who were going to wear the letters. And, you know, in, in the past, I've kind of gone on record saying, you know, sometimes it's it's this or that. You know, maybe it's it's made out to be a bigger deal. But when you put the right people in those positions, the Webb's Michael Smith, it makes a difference. And I do think, because we talked about it with John Forslund, that Jordan Stahl is going to be different this time around as the captain. Not co-captain, but the captain. And he's got two guys with him that won the emerging star in Jacob Slavin on the blue line and what he brings off of the ice and then what Jordan Martinuk brings. And I just think that it's great. And we're going to have an alternate captain uh, all year long with the Marty Captain Minute. Yeah. I mean, it's a podcast first, really. I think I would have to think. I would have to think so. Yeah. We do a lot of firsts on this podcast. You know what we don't do a lot of firsts of, but we do this a lot. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. We do do this a lot. Matt, do do. <laughs> do you have one? I've got two, actually. That's well done. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a child. That's fine. I didn't want to break. I wasn't going to break. Yeah, I've got two because uh, fans Brown. are kind. And Yeah, I just said that. Yeah, you did. And uh, I bookmarked these just so I wouldn't lose them. Because last week, as you recall, uh, some things were happening, news was happening, and my mentions were a disaster, and I lost you know, everything the fans sent me. So I, I remembered to bookmark uh, these two things this week. And so, yes, I have two. You yes. ready for the first one? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Here comes from Kyle Moss. It's still not yours. At Kyle Moss 3000 on Twitter. No idea if he's related to Andre or not. 
you like it, you can take it. If, or Randy. If not, send it right back. Turbo and Seabass are both all-stars this year. Send it back. Yeah. I, agree. I, I would I would like to I would like to keep that, but I will I'll have to send it back. It's just the way the all-star teams are constructed. It's now, does that mean if Alex Ovechkin's gonna take a knee on playing in the all-star game, does Sidney Crosby take a knee? Does that open it up? Yeah, but if you mean Maybe. do yeah. they make the team straight up, I'll send it back. Yeah. It's the teams are so small. Yeah. And for the Hurricanes, the division they're in, it's gonna be a steep challenge, I think, for them to have two representatives. It's probably gonna be Sebastian Ajo from now until the end of Sebastian Ajo. But wow, you made that sound way more morbid. Yeah, than it, it should be. <laughs> it it yeah. It should be just that he's gonna be the all star for a long time because yeah, he's that good. Until the end of his playing days. How about a that? Metropolitan Division All Star, not an Atlantic Division All Star. And, and the Metro's loaded up front. You know, you Oh yeah. I, I said two names already, and that's what you only carry six forwards? Something like that. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean the teams are really yeah, small. It's like six so. forwards, three defensemen, and two goalies, right? If I, I'm if I have my numbers right so. on it, that's Something what it's like been. That. So we've already eliminated two forwards. So now you've got to put Matt is you know Matt Barzal, Claude Giroux. Those are you know the Islanders in Philly. You know the Rangers. Maybe they're going to send Hank Lundquist on the thank you tour, but whatever. I mean, they'll have Kako in a few years, probably. Yeah, perhaps. Uh, then you've got with the with the Devils, Taylor Hall, Jacques. But you've got though. I mean, you've got a bunch of players that people are going to look at yeah. up front, and you know. Columbus is going to send Seth Jones, so we don't worry about a forward there. Yes. There's a defenseman, and then that's about it. Mm-hmm. So, And the Canes are going to send Sebastian Ajo, so that leaves only three more forwards to yeah. go with. I would think if if the Hurricanes didn't send Sebastian Ajo, if he wasn't the, the league's choice for the Hurricanes Jacob representative. Slavin would be the guy. Right, exactly. So I think, you know, Teravainen might be somewhere high on that list, but I don't think he's – I don't think both of them will be all-stars. All right, second one from Greg Oppenheimer. Ooh, you know that last name, right? Help create the atom bomb. Oh, well, I don't, I don't know any I relation. Should, should have been a history teacher, maybe. Um, if you like it, take it. If not, send it back. In 2018, the Hurricanes uh, were 17.8 percent on the power play, ranked 20th in the NHL. With new personnel, the Hurricanes will be above 20 percent scoring on the power play, which would probably put them. I would have to think in the around it's, league it's average top, or so. Yeah, it's a little bit. I mean, the easiest way to, to phrase this is the Hurricanes will be in the top 15 or the top I'll take that. 50% of the league. I'll yeah. take that. I'll take that. I'll take that too. Okay. I think Jake Gardner, I think, adds a lot to this power play, assuming he's healthy and ready to go at the beginning of the season. Um, he he was brought in to, to really improve that power play and, and quarterback it and run it and make him more effective. And then you look at the additions of uh, Ryan Dezingle, Eric Halla, even a guy like Martin Nachos, who we saw in Charlotte last year, scored a lot of power play goals. I think those combined could really help the Hurricanes power play improve to be more consistent. I definitely see it in the top half of the league. All right. Are you ready for this bold versions of? If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Bold or italics? Bold. Or underline. Or all three. All three. Okay. That's how important they are. Okay. Do you, have, do you have anything or do I need to start? No. Uh, I'll toss one out. Oh, my. 
well, I heard you say this morning, the Hurricanes will have 50 wins. I'll take it. Thank you. Oh, okay. I'll take it. I think they're going to get 100 points. Uh, and I think they'll get I think they'll get it through 50 wins. And wins meaning winning in overtime. Yeah, yeah. So overtime or regulation. Yeah. So I Shoot think they'll get, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those yeah. count towards the 100. Yeah, that's that's it's 50 wins, not 100 points, which I know are two different things. Mm. But um yeah, I'm going to say they'll get 50 wins. Okay. Andre Fetch, Andre Svechnikov, easy for me to say. You sounded like Shane there. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Sorry, Shane. Sorry, Shane. Shane Willis, by the way. Andre Svechnikov will score. I was trying to go rapid fire. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, that's what it's, yeah. yeah. Andre Svechnikov will score 35 goals. Uh, send it back. He might get to 30. Not going to get to 35 this year. All right. You got another one or you only had the one? Yeah. Uh, Top of head, rapid fire, bold. Well, I don't have much on the top of my head. Uh, <laughs> Alex Nedeljkovic will play 10 games for the Hurricanes this season. I'll send it back. Okay. Peter Morazic will have 35 wins in net for the Hurricanes this year. Ooh, spicy. Well, if they're going to get to 50 wins, he's going to have to be along for the ride for a lot of those. So, yeah, I'll take it. Sebastian Ajo will crack 90 points this year. Take it. Really? Yes. So will I. He was very close last year. 80s. 83. Okay, 83. He was uh, 83 and 82. He was the first month he was on pace for like 100 and, yeah. I don't know, a lot. Absolutely. Dougie Hamilton will score a shootout goal this year. Oh, I'll take that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we've seen him in practice a few times. Brett Pesci will score a shootout goal this year. I'd love to see it, but I'm going to send it back. I don't know. He had that move he does have in the, the Caps game, yeah. and then he almost scored. We're seeing it in, in practice a little bit. It's there. That's why I bring it up. It's got that toe drag. And it's a bold prediction. It is a bold one. prediction. But you're sending it back. Yeah. I mean, he would have to be, first of all, selected to participate in the shootout. You'll never see it coming. Probably not. Just, I'm just putting that <laughs> it out It might there. be very deep in a 10-round you know, shootout or something, and see what he got. I just now want to say Svechnikov as much as I possibly can. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, uh, I think that's all oh, I have. I, I've Do got, you have some more? Oh, I got plenty. Uh, the Canes will finish no worse than second in the Metro Division. Mm, I'm going to send it back. I can see him being third. Hater. I, I, top three, I think, is incredibly feasible. Uh, but it's, again, bold prediction. Yes, it not is. What, not a prediction. Here's a bold, bold prediction. prediction. Yes. Bill Berniston will only give compliments to our podcast all season long. No, I'm sending that one right back. <laughs> all the way back. He's going he's gonna to hate on this one for yes, some he point. Is. Well, right now. Probably. That'd <laughs> be my guess. Yeah. You mean this guy? All right. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, already going to hate on that. Hello. Oh, special guest. David Modlin, radio engineer extraordinaire. How are you? We need in. to uh, put some WD-40 on that right, door. Bold, bold prediction, because yes. my office is where we record Kane's cast. Whenever there are postseason games, they have to kick David Modlin out of the radio broadcast booth into my office. David Modlin will have to kick me out of my office to set up a radio broadcast in the postseason this year. He will absolutely have to do that. So you're going to take that. Yep, taking it. Take that one. And even got an ooh from David. All right. Uh, I have uh, a few more bold predictions for you. Okay. Tavo Teravainen will score a point per game this year, meaning he'll have 82 points. Mm. Somebody thinks that he's going to go to the All-Star game. He's got to have that kind of pace. 
I'm gonna send it back. I think he gets. I think he gets close, but I'm gonna send it back. So close, 70, 75, 80. 70. Yeah, it's somewhere in the sixty-five to seventy-five range. All it's right. gonna be close, but I'm sending it back. All right. Uh, speaking of Jacob Slavin, Jacob Slavin will score forty points this year. I'll give you whatever combination you want to get to it, goals and assists. But remember how good he was in the playoffs, yeah. racking up the assists. Yeah, I'll take it. Why not? I think so. Yep. Yeah, I think so. I think that's almost a safe bet too right now. I think so. With how he's playing. All right. Yeah, I think that's all I have. That's it for me. Did I mean, I could, quick go, thinking. I could go bolder if you really want to. Even bolder? Oh, yeah, if I wanted to. Like Eric Halla will score. This is a guy who scored 29 in the league. He'll score 30 in his first year with the Canes. I think he has the ability to, Ryan, certainly. Ryan Dezingle continues to score 20 goals a season. Yes. I don't know if that's really bold because he keeps doing that. Right. And, you know, Halla got close enough to 30, but he is coming off the, the knee injury. and Yeah, we'll see. Jake Gardner will have 15 assists on the power play. Mm. That that I can see that happening for yeah. sure. It, it's, um, I mean, that's what I know that's, Rod Brindamore would love to see that happen. Absolutely. So, there you go. The Carolina Hurricanes will be at least two rounds deep in the NHL playoffs. I think this is a good way to leave it here as we get ready for the season. I'll take it. I Here's the thing about the playoffs is once you get in, anything can happen. It, it becomes quite random as to what happens. And it, you saw it in the first round. That was a straight coin flip all the way until game seven, overtime, double overtime, could have gone either way. Now the Hurricanes were the better team in that game seven and you – Sort of felt like it was only a matter of time yep. before they got the victory, but it still could have gone either way. I think they're a playoff team. I think they certainly have the capacity to go back to the Eastern Conference final. I think they have the capacity to make it to the second round again. So, yeah, I'll, I'll take that one. And there will be 4,000 media members from the province of Quebec here for opening night all asking Sebastian Ajo questions. Yeah. You going to take that? Yeah, I think that's all, not really I think that. Enti- I think bold. Enti- yeah, I think the entire four thousand people. Okay, yeah, that is a lot. Yeah, I'll take it. Still, it'll feel like it. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure, it'll feel like it for all of us there. All right, that's it. Got any food you want to talk about? That way, we can really get Bill Berniston to not give us a positive comment here. Mm. Strength and conditioning coach of your Carolina Hurricanes. I don't think so. We can talk about movies or television or something. No, I think we're good. Okay. This is, we're getting ready for the regular season. We, we are pushing an hour, I think, at this point. We're, so. we're over an hour. We're over an point. hour. So no. if anybody's still hanging on, God bless you. Thank you. One more time. <laughs> if you're still hanging on, maybe you get the tickets. Yeah. One more time for those uh, who are somehow miraculously still listening. Hashtag Canescast. Let us know what your favorite part of the podcast is. Not necessarily this episode, just the podcast in general. Make sure you hashtag Canescast. We'll choose a random winner. Two lower-level seats will be yours to opening night. Yeah, I might have changed it with whatever the last word Michael Smith says on this podcast that's not bye-bye is if you can tweet that at us, that would win it because you've made it all the way through. But, no, I'm just... We need we need some uh, some positive reinforcement. Yeah, we got part. We got to move back up the charts in Finland. We've slipped a little. I bit. know, I know. And thanks again to all our Finnish listeners. I know a, f- a few of them have tweeted at us that they really enjoy the yeah. podcast, and they're the uh, third most popular country that consumes our podcast. Yeah. So, and for hockey, yeah, I'm moving them in front of uh, Canada. Sorry, Canada. Yeah, Finland, way to go. I can't remember how to say thank you in Finnish. 
Kitos. Kitos. Kitos to you, Finland. Moi moi. Oh. That's uh, goodbye. Oh. You already uh, jumped the gun on that one. Yeah, a little bit. All right. Well, that's fine. (laughs) We're getting used to that now. That'll do it for this edition, 106. And uh, by the time we record another podcast, we will have real regular season NHL games to talk about. Oh, my goodness gracious. That is crazy. I can't wait. Craziness. Three of them. I know. Hopefully three and oh. That would be wonderful. And some rivalry to talk about as well. Yep. For the web's Michael Smith. And TV's Mike Maniscalco. We will talk to you next Monday. Moi moi. Thank you.